This is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the all-new podcast where my mom, Bonnie Tatey, shares her view of pop culture, small-town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, the new spy thriller on Amazon Video. Let's bring her in now. Mom, hello. Are you there? I am. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Uh, My wrists are hurting me a little bit today, though. From what? From playing too much of this video game. Oh, Johnny. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Well, I love it. Do you want to talk about it? It's called No Man's Sky. It takes place in a vast universe that is uh, generated as you explore. You know I like these games that change as you every time you play them or as you play through them. Um, so you journey between these different star systems and you discover planets. And when you discover a planet, you, nobody has ever visited a planet quite like that one before. You're seeing something that's special to you. The wildlife is a little different. The plants are a little different. The colors, it's a lot of fun. Boy, I'm really into it. And what is it called again? No Man's Sky. This was a game that came out a couple years ago. The anticipation for it was huge. And as often happens with uh, these sort of dreamy, visionary game developers, they, the makers of it talked in these very sweeping terms about it before it came out, and then it didn't quite maybe live up to the expectations. But uh, mm. it's a studio called Hello Games, and they kept working on it, and they kept updating it. And uh, I jumped on board after a really big update came along recently called The Next Update. And a lot of people said, this is the game finally fulfilling its promise, and I do love it. Well, that that whole thing is intriguing to me because... What if they kept working on it and working on it and it never gelled? Like, that would be a oh, tremendous waste of time. They really had faith in their concept, and rightly so, I think. Uh, you know, sometimes I get caught up in doing missions, which are really, frankly, Mom, outer space errands. I spend an inordinate amount of time as this astronaut <laughs> running around the galaxy uh, just shooting a laser gun at rocks to gather resources. And do I feel a little foolish when I'm doing it? Yes. But um, I find it very relaxing, and I just love exploring this galaxy. Well, I think that it serves its purpose. Yes. Uh, You know, everything doesn't have to be something. Oh, well, that's very profound, Mom. I don't know that we have time to fully explore that statement. but I hope uh, everybody writes that down and lives their life by it. (laughs) Tell me what's going on in your neck of the woods. Well, first, let me tell you this. Last week, we talked about guinea pigs. And and after that, I went on Amazon and Googled guinea pig stuff. And they have a bunch of notebooks that have guinea pigs on the cover. So now I use that to make my notes. They're very cute. Wow. (laughs) More guinea pig merchandise has been acquired. Yes, I love love them, though. And they're just little notebooks that I'll use to make notes for our podcast and stuff. So it'll be fun to see. So you'll you'll be consulting your guinea pig notes every week as people listen to the podcast, you're saying. That's right. That's right. And not just about pumpkin spice. Um, I know that the hills of Wilmot are exciting enough on their own, but Mom, I understand there's uh, there's a point of interest in New London that has been on your mind lately. Yes. 
Well, I went back to the library, and I go to the library in the next town right. because, even though I have to pay for it, because I go that way more frequently right. than I do in the direction that our library is in. New London is, is uh, we're talking about the New London Library, and New right. London is where the supermarket is, it's where the restaurants are. Really, it reminds you of the uh, English metropolis itself, uh, doesn't it, New London? <laughs> <laughs> it's... Well, we always we call it uptown. <laughs> uptown. I'm going uptown because it's at the top of a hill. Basically, is what makes it uptown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I went to the library and I perused the books, which is good to do after the summer people go home. Because while the summer people are here, there's nothing in the library, nothing. And so it was the first time I've been in many months. Um, to see what they had. And I got a couple of things and I went out and in the lobby, there's a box, a cardboard box that has magazines that the library is getting rid of, or sometimes just people drop off a bunch of magazines or a book that they don't want. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's always fun to check in there and see if there's anything interesting. So it's a, it's a box of unwanted periodicals that has drawn your attention right. here. Okay. That's right. So I'm um, digging through the box, just taking a quick look, because really that's all it takes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how many scientific <laughs> magazines do you really need in your house? None. So I'm digging through. Well, some, maybe. Man, some. Well, listen to me. Okay. <laughs> so this guy comes in and he says, is there anything new in there? <laughs> to you? Yeah. Okay. And I kind of snickered and I said, uh, well, I, you know, I don't really know. I'm, there's nothing here that I want. He goes in and starts rooting around and he says to me, well, he said, I check this box twice a day. Oh, Lord. And I thought, what? Really? You? Yes. He said, I check it on my way to work and I check it on my way home. Now, how desperate can you be for a free magazine? <laughs> and he says, and he says to me, and of course, I'm just thinking, just let me get in the car. Just leave me alone. Let me get in the car. And, the, and he says to me, yeah, here's one. And oddly enough, it's a, it has a name and I can't remember if it's Scientific America mm -hmm. or something like American. That. And yeah. uh, he comes outside with me. I hold the door for him. He comes outside and he's, rifling through it and he says to me oh well, i'm gonna put this one back i can tell by the pictures something he doesn't finish it and i just thought oh my god just let me get out of here these people are more of crazy than the people in wilmot <laughs> he I only looks at he, he only looks at scientific american for the pictures I, I you know again johnny i didn't get into it because i just thought what the hell if you like this magazine, why don't you just get a subscription to it? They would probably be delighted. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I couldn't really deal with it. I just thought, you know, pe people are, I should just live in the woods, maybe. Well, you practically do, Mom. I really don't. I really don't, <laughs> I know. Well, you don't live in North Wilmot. That's really the, uh, that's, that's like true. a different that's, world up there. That is. <laughs> like no world anyway 
that was my trip to the library, and I'm, so I'm not sure that 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 holds out much hope. Well, my favorite part of the story is how he presumed that you were a fellow um, yeah. magazine discard box prospector, right? Anything new in there? Like, who's keeping inventory? <laughs> And 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 you assume that I've what been here all day monitoring the box? I don't know. I just didn't get it. And I thought, just you know, you need to go home to your wife because she probably finds you fascinating. But I think you're weird. Seems like maybe he uh, was interested in you. Maybe he didn't see your ring. No, no, he was not interested in me. I know that I blew it on the airplane that one time because I didn't understand what was going on. But no, this this guy was, I don't know, I think he, I really think he was saying, I read Scientific America. I don't know what he was saying. <laughs> that know. blew it on the airplane reference, by the way, everybody, is it's a pretty deep cut reference to an earlier um, episode of, of the podcasts. I don't remember which oh. one, but... What was it? What was the story in a sentence, Mom? On the on the plane? Oh, he he was just he was a cameraman for the NFL, and he was going to the Chiefs game or something. Oh, right. I guess this was near the end, and, and he was hot know, he, to trot next to oh, next to you. Oh my God! He couldn't stop. You know? Oh well, you know? How, how about your husband? Blah blah blah. I said, Yeah, I have a husband, and you know, does he cheat on you? And I said. No. He said that? I forgot about that part. How do you know? I said, I know. I know. He loves me. Why, Why? you know? Nothing to say. Well, I mean, he was, he had had a few pops in the airport, too, <laughs> which is so flattering, you know. Um, okay, Mom, and the email I got from you, all I have is, is mammogram, so I'm going to allow you to expand on that. All right. I know this is not your subject, but this is what I want to say. Last week I went... For my mammogram, my yearly mammogram, mm -hmm. which is a wonderful test. I'm glad we have it. Again, let me say it's a wonderful test. It serves a lot of people mm -hmm. well. You said that already. I know. I wanted to emphasize it. But it's not the funnest test. You know, it's not like a colonoscopy, but it's not the funnest test. What? And it's a little painful. Oh, you it's, know? it's less than a colonoscopy, you're saying. Okay. Yeah. I thought your colonoscopy was being held up as like the most fun medical procedure. Oh, my God. No. No, 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 okay. no. Okay. Proceed. No. It hurts a little. You know, it, it hurts a little. I would imagine. Your, mm. Yeah, your chest and blah, blah, blah. So I start getting in a bad mood before I have it. <laughs> Good. So I can be in a full rage by the time it's over. Mm -hmm. But I went this time, and they take two pictures on each side. One is, like, standing in front of the machine, and one is sort of sideways to the machine. Okay. So they squish your chest in two directions, essentially. Mm -hmm. So this woman, they greet you. It's, it's about as warm as... Um, Frankenstein's castle. Mm -hmm. They come, they call your name, they don't smile, they lead you to this room, and she takes three pictures on one side. And I said, gee, I've never had three pictures taken on one side. And she said, well, I had a skin fold. Duh. And I thought... You know, you're standing behind a shield shooting me with x-rays, and could you get it right? Could you just get it right? 
it's so irritating. And if you say anything, they say, well, it's just a little bit. It's just a tiny little bit. And I, you know, I, I don't want to hear that when you're standing behind a shield. Yeah. You know, it's just a little, a little disingenuous to me. Yeah. Yeah. What would you, you know, rather they say? I would rather they say, I'm sorry, I didn't check that quite. And I would rather they get it right. <laughs> get yeah. it right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Don't me be too. shoot me full of this nonsense. Yeah. And then could you at least smile at me? Could you at least right. smile at me? Because now I just feel like, oh, she took three pictures because something's wrong and she could see it and she doesn't want to tell me. And uh, it's just, just irritating, just irritating. You're on alert when you're getting one of those tests. If it's an MRI or whatever it is, anything that seems to uh, stray from the normal course is alarming. Exactly. And, you know, when you go sometimes frequently when you go to this facility they send you a form afterwards that has some questions and mm. do I have any suggestions but they never send one for the mammogram which which I would like to comment on I mm. would like to say could somebody smile could you say hey how's the weather out there even if you don't give a rat's ass be somewhat personable to just take the edge off that you're not right. some asshole that's going to put a skin fold on the machine and then just say, oh, well, we got to do that one over. You know, I, it just was irritating. It was just irritating. But me. there was no mammogram suggestion box like they have down at the IHOP for you. <laughs> no, and there was no pancakes either. <laughs> that's the worst part. That's right. Now I want pancakes. No, there's. I love pancakes. I didn't expect to end, end the mammogram story saying, now I want pancakes, but that's how I feel. <laughs> no. That's what pancakes and donuts are like. <laughs> yes, donuts too. Although donuts. Anna doesn't like donuts, which I, I married her anyway, but boy, that's weird. Well, you know, I haven't had sugar in quite some time, but you know what I'm hankering for is fried clams. Hmm. You really kind of shifted into a different gear of comfort yeah, food. Yeah, sorry, there, I'm a little hungry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I thought we could we could end the mammogram on a on a good note, and I got my report back, and everything is fine. Okay, good, good. I was going I was going to ask that before we concluded, lest the listeners yeah. think me a heartless son. Well, I'm glad right, to hear well, that. They're all running out the door for donuts. Uh, hey, football season started this week, and uh, sure, I'm excited. Well, so is Dad. You know, he really loves the Patriots. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of you that are listening that either don't care about any football or hate the Patriots, but we love them, and it's great entertainment. <laughs> That's right. That's right. However. Oh, yes. Okay. Go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. No, you. That, was, that was ominous. Well, I would like to know your opinion about the Colin Kaepernick Nike hubbub. Do you have an opinion on that? Mm, um, yes. I want to hear your opinion, too, but I guess I'll go first. Yours will probably be more intelligent. Well, uh, mine is mine. That's all I can say for it. And okay. I, um, I just support him. I just I, I support him more than I even did in the beginning. And I wrote about it 
at the beginning of it and the course of the country since then has only made me more sympathetic and more admiring of the, you know, I always want to say stand that he took, which mm-hmm. feels a little, feels like I might come off as sarcastic or, or ironic at least because he, he took a knee. You know, the whole thing is that he's not standing, but that's what it is. It's a stand that he took. And, you know, maybe we're going to get into this a little bit with the Tom Clancy review, Mom. But yeah. I just, the American myth holds a very different place for me than it did, you know, 17 years ago when the Twin Towers were hit, right? And yeah. my yeah. sense of patriotism is very different um, than it used to be. And I just sympathize with his desperation for this country to live up to the values that to me are embodied in that rectangle of canvas that we're all getting so frenzied over. Mm-hmm. I just think that mm-hmm. rectangle of canvas means different things to different people. And right. that's, that's fine. And that's great. And that intellectual diversity is part of what makes us great as America. Um, I think that what, also makes us great as America is that the people who fought with that flag on their shoulder or with that flag at the front of the formation or what have you um, did so to defend his right. And I know this point has been made, but to defend his right uh-huh. to say what he what he feels and to express himself. I just support him. And I'm impressed by Nike for keeping him on, although I don't think that, um, you know, corporate endorsement is the most stirring form of political speech, but, you know, good good for them, I feel. So that is my uh, yammering, meandering take on it. Well, well said. I have two points of view about it. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll start with the, the negative one, is that it's hard to uh, support a campaign that says, and I should have written this down, and now I feel silly because I didn't, but the campaign says something about sacrificing everything. Right. Except that he was being paid for all this. Not for all this, but through all this. So that is a little um, incongruous to me. Mm -hmm. But my other thing is, and this is what I really do not understand, is how people, he's, it was explained to all of us what it meant, what the kneeling meant, what it stood for, and still people say what it isn't. Right. Protesting the anthem, protesting the flag. The flag. And that is what I do not understand, is he, he's explained to us what it was all about, and he couldn't have been any clearer and still people say, well, he's disrespecting the flag, and that's not what this is all about. That's not what he's saying or intending. And I realize, you know, you could look at that on the surface and say, yes, he's disrespecting the flag, but you have to listen to his words. And why why isn't that enough for people? I don't understand that. You know, to the first point, I would say that sacrificing everything, it's marketing. You know, Mm -hmm. and and that's why I said that, you know, I think a corporate endorsement isn't isn't maybe the best expression of this speech, even though I don't hold anything against Kaepernick for taking the money and for appearing in the ads. I think the the that the heart of the point is correct, that he sacrificed 
his career. I mean, and and look, I just don't think there's any case to be made that he is without a job for purely football reasons. I, you yeah. know, how closely yeah. I follow the league. I simply do not buy it. It, it doesn't make sense. Uh, and I just don't think that person is defensible. So he sacrificed a promising career. He was in the Super Bowl a few years ago, I know. you know, and now he has been cast out shamefully by the league. And I think that nobody will hire him. Nobody will hire him. And that's a sacrifice. I think not a lot of people would be willing to make. And that is that to me is the heart of it. And I don't think Colin Kaepernick is um, necessarily the you know, I don't think he always says the right thing. For instance, like he he said during the uh, election, you know, like, oh, these, you know, the two candidates, two primary candidates are, are basically the same. He said something along those oh. lines. And, you know, I just I can't sign on to that. He's an imperfect spokesperson, but aren't we all um, yes. just right? So I think that he has made a significant sacrifice. And, and that's what the campaign recognizes is the language overhyped okay. is it over dramatic yes but that's what nike does with with athletes and i don't i'm not surprised that colin kaepernick would be no different that they would reduce it right. to two words that don't capture the nuance of the situation right um, right and as far as people not getting it people choose not to get it they i mean mom i really it's hard for me to look around and not just feel that it's an excuse to get angry at a black person in public. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's so sad to me is that, you know, even the president of the United States weighed in on the whole thing because he has nothing more important to do than he weighed in on the whole thing. And if I can digress a little bit Mm -hmm. um, on television last weekend, I watched quite a bit of John McCain's funeral and, When Obama got up to speak, it struck me how far we've come from from eloquence and dignity and social graces. And I had to I had to stop. I had to turn it off because I was so horrified at, at the state of what things are now. I just didn't I didn't want to I didn't want my shell to soften with with the memory of all that i remember watching the 2016 convention and they before obama came out to speak they had a retrospective of his administration and um i just started to cry because Mm. there was a dignity uh, with which he carried himself that by then even though we didn't know who was going to win had been so desecrated and 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 thrown out and spit on and stepped on on the side of the road Mm. in that Mm. campaign by the presence of trump i just cried for what i felt like was the um, closing of an era although i did not realize how vivid and um, dramatic the shift was going to be obviously Um, as none of us did yeah, I mean, I think that's what that funeral was. It was a farewell to dignity. And to bring it back around, Colin Kaepernick and uh, his teammate Eric Reed have talked about how they came to the decision to kneel. You might remember the first couple times he did this, he sat, he just sat on the bench. He just chose not to stand. And they chose to take a knee after speaking with um, a, a veteran of the NFL and a veteran, perhaps more importantly, of the Green Berets, a fellow mm. named Nate Boyer 
who who um, helped them come to this decision to to kneel because it was a more active and respectful gesture um, yeah. than simply just sitting there. Eric Eric Reed, um, the 49ers teammate of of Kaepernick, when they started doing this, um, said that he, in his mind, it was like a flag flown at half mast, mm. which I thought was a beautiful way of putting it. I mean, I think they've. I think that the players have expressed themselves, as you said, pretty clearly and with nuance and with conversation, feeling it out, figuring it out. Again, Kaepernick started sitting on the bench and then decided that wasn't quite right. And there's it at times feels like a one sided conversation. And that is tragic. Well, and I agree. I agree. And I think I think what I failed to say when I was talking about the president of the United States mm-hmm. has sort of created an atmosphere where it's okay to um, talk about black people in a bad way again. I think he's just created an atmosphere of of putridness that, that all the ugly is just fine and dandy and okay. Pettiness. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, I think he's I think he capitalized on and exacerbated uh, um, a, an environment that was already there to some degree. But I think I, he, I agree. he was the perfect man to bring this ugly streak of present day American society out into the open and to its illogical conclusion, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, it makes me it makes me think of my father who worked at the University of Pennsylvania and a young man came in and um, wanted to he he wanted to be on the track team and he wanted to come to Penn. And, you know, he was a very lovely man. And my father went to speak to whoever does the entrances and um, they went over the file and the man put the file, put this young man's file in the refuse pile. And um, they spoke for a few more minutes and they got up to leave. And my father slipped the file into the acceptance (laughs) pile. And uh, here he was, this young black man in into the University of Pennsylvania lickety split and uh, I just love that story I've never heard that story wow wow that was boo though I mean he I'm glad you brought that up because boo was just like an he was always like that athletes are athletes and he really valued that about athletics and that you know the crazy thing to me is that if that's the stance that the owners of the NFL had taken from the beginning would they have taken their lumps? Yes, but they took lumps anyway. Um, but yeah. at least they would have had their own dignity and their own consistency. Yeah. And, and you know, let's not be hypocrites. This is largely a, a black man's sport. Yes, yes. That is, you know, affording you to live in your mansions and have your private jets. And That's a good point, Mom. I mean, it's a majority black sport. And... Yeah, I think what you're getting at is the image of these white owners living the good life on the backs yeah. of these black oh, on men. on their backs. Exactly. That's that's it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And you'd think that in 2018, we would be doing better. This picture would not look the way it, it does. Yeah. I say that. that. That's it. Exactly. That's it in a nutshell. Well, uh, usually the top of show doesn't take half an hour, but uh, I think that's important. People are thinking about it. And hey, it's... Thanks for sharing, Mom. 
Well, thank you for sharing. I think that was very interesting. Uh, now we got to talk America a little more because uh, okay. the Stars and Stripes are all over. Our review for today, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Shall we commence? We shall. Okay. In the proud tradition of putting Tom Clancy's name on things, Labor Day weekend brought the debut of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan from Amazon Video. The title role belongs to John Krasinski, the guy who shared knowing glances with America every week on The Office. Krasinski is just the latest actor to play the unassuming but super talented CIA analyst. Alec Baldwin and Harrison Ford made the role famous. Ben Affleck and Chris Pine have also participated. As the first season of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan begins, Tom's Jack is whisked from his desk job to hunt down an up-and-coming Lebanese terrorist. Here's a clip. Let me ask you something. You've been doing this for how long? Almost four years. Oh, almost four years. Holy shit! (laughs) That's like, wow! I am impressed! Now, let's say that you're actually right. And Suleiman or Casper the Friendly Ghost or whoever the fuck actually exists. What do you think he does when he finds out a state entity has frozen his bank account? He cuts bait and you get nothing. How many people you know walk away from $9 million? That money means everything to him. I agree. Which is why we could have sat on that bank, tracked every courier who came and went, and wrapped up the whole goddamn network. Or we could have just watched the front door of the bank while they walked out, pulled off the next 9-11, and we didn't do a thing. Get the fuck out of my office. Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan is available on Amazon Prime. Mom, did you Tom Clancy Jack Ryan, or was it more of a Tom Clancy for you? I think this stunk. <laughs> I, 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 my, first, my first line on writing this down was, there is so much to be irritated with. <laughs> and I know that's that is not the right way to say that sentence, but I just oh this this is this is such utter comic book crap. I I oh, wow. and I had to watch two episodes. I just did not like this at all. I thought it was sloppy and you know, you're really asking me to swallow quite a bit that here I am, tra la la, I'm on the computer and now now I'm in, in a war zone and oh God, I don't know. There's so much to hate. There's just so much to hate. <laughs> Okay. Well, describe this. No, I don't. No, I, 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 you made it twice as far as I did. I made it to the end of one episode and I had seen enough. Uh, enough. But describe, describe the show, describe the two episodes that you saw in your words. Well, the first episode was, you know, the introduction and here's, here's Jack Ryan. He's walking into the CIA. There's no, um, checking him out or he just walks right in and you know I think well what the hell is that all about doesn't he have to go through a metal detector or something or you know hello here's my badge something didn't like that um, <laughs> <What? he's- laughs> you didn't like the the lack of verisimilitude in your opinion maybe that that's how it is going into the CIA mom maybe you just walk he's right in going to the without showing something. Here's my license, for Christ's sake. That's ridiculous. He's going into the CIA. Okay. All right. Don't worry. I've got a couple of these, too, so I'm, I'm with you. So he goes to 
to to work, you know, he goes to work and he's, you know, onto a lead of some kind and he's on his computer, 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 you know, because that's what he is. He's intelligence and, you know, he's putting things together and the, the new boss is there and doesn't particularly like him. And then, my God, the next thing I know is they're on an airplane going to Syria or someplace, mm-hmm. and they're hunting down this this guy that's doing things with money, or you know, somebody we're we're, we're supposed to, you know, the enemy. We're supposed to look at right. it as the enemy. Right. And what the hell? What, what, don't we have an army or? <laughs> Are we just taking random people away from their desks to run over and take care of business, which I think is absurd. And he, and he gets, I don't know if this is the right episode, you know, but he gets stabbed or something and no, no, don't take care of it till we get back to the U S and then he gets in an MRI machine and he's got his hands over his stomach, which is, Stupid. I mean, if anybody's ever had a scan, you, you put your hands over your head. That irritates me. There's no attention to detail. It's just crap. And then in the, well, there's no detail, then, right, Mom? I mean, there's. I mean, I I don't mean to stop your stream of rage, and I regret doing it already. But like you said, there's no attention to detail. I mean, there's not much detail, right? It's a it's a pretty bland. Well, you know, that's a good that's a good observation. I mean, it's like here all you stupid people at home, swallow this. And I'm saying, no, I have no intention of swallowing this. You know, there's a there's a Syrian family that we're watching and you know, and I'm thinking, Well, what am I supposed to sympathize with these people so that I can feel bad when they die and then uh, yeah, I just I just this just was manipulative and and sloppy and irritating and I just hated the whole damn thing. Um, well, since we are discussing attention to detail, I should uh, note that it's Yemen that they travel to. Um, and uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the uh, the oh, young. I'm really sorry, people. <laughs> it's it's well, it's all right. Syria does get tossed. I mean, they're the countries are pretty coming at you pretty rapid fire. So I think I I don't blame you for being having a hard time keeping track. But it, it's Yemen that they travel to, I believe. Um, okay. Although well, I could, the, in the second episode, I think they went to Syria. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Then maybe I'm wrong. Which is which is stupid. It's ridiculous. They're all over the world. <laughs> These two people that work at a desk. Is it, doesn't that irritate you? Well, it's kind of the Jack Ryan story, but I I agree that they they don't do much to justify it. Uh, you know, like you have you seen the Hunt for Red October? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not irritated at you. I I know um, that wasn't meant for you. That was the first Jack Ryan feature film. And it's I mean, it's a great one. Uh, Alec Baldwin is Jack Ryan. And part of the story is that he's a very sharp analyst, but he and he gets gets whisked away um, because he's the only one with with the knowledge. And the thing here is that uh, what we see of John Krasinski's Jack Ryan is He's smart and he makes connections, but to me, he's doing a job of any that 
I would imagine any CIA analyst would do. Do I really know what a CIA analyst does every day? Right. No, of course right. not. But like, there's nothing impressive to that impressive, that extraordinary about what Jack Ryan's doing that, yes, justifies this sudden uh, globetrotting trip with the with the gruff, you know, section chief who's who's down on his luck and has had a bad run. I mean, it's also cookie cutter. Laugh. I mean, I just thought this this is real crap. This is a sin that people are putting all their effort into this because really it's a big pile of dog crap. I think I've talked on the podcast before about how I as at this point as a critic, I have uh oh moments when I when I start watching something um, and it's just a little detail or a little failure of craft that sets off something in my brain. It says, uh oh. This is not going to be good. Uh, and there's, I realized in this one, there's two ways an uh oh moment can go. One is when I see something that I've seen a thousand times before and I can't believe they're doing that again. And that would be mm. in the first episode of this when we see Jack Ryan come home, sit down, turn Jeopardy on, and he just gets every answer right. <laughs> and I'm, it looks like he got the ones right that the contestants didn't because um, Alex is saying the answer quite correct uh, great observation mom i also picked up on that he's even smarter than the people on tv right he's like he's the smart you don't know about too smart for the That's public right. eye uh, that was an uh-oh moment but the bigger uh-oh moment was the now maybe this is explained in subsequent episodes but the bewildering fact that he sleeps with an old-fashioned metronome on his bedside <laughs> table <laughs> and they use it to, like, punctuate this dream sequence. And, oh, he's having, you know, he's uh, his his mind is so harried by the huge responsibilities and, and his history. And the whole time this metronome is ticking and he wakes up and it's still ticking. And I at least expect him to reach over and, like, turn it off and, like, shake yeah. his head or what. Like, because I'm thinking, why is there a metronome on your bedside table? Is that explained in the second episode? No, because we don't go to his house. I don't I don't believe in the second episode. We don't even go there. I just thought that is one of the dumb... You know, I said there were no details, but this maybe it's just because the few details that they chose to embroider this character with are so stupid. Um, They're so stupid. But how, how about the love interest? Oh, was, was that in the first one? Yes, I was just going to talk about that. Well, it's just so stupid. He goes to this party that he thinks is a little, little intimate party. This guy wants a favor from him or wants him to do something. I can't remember. But anyway, it's someone he used to work for on Wall Street. And yes, he wants some inside info on the markets that he thinks Jack has. OK, OK. And his daughter is quite lovely, some might think. And uh, she's a top notch epidemiologist, you know, very important in her own right. And there's a little little spark but but then there's a little hesitation because of whose daughter she is and blah 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 and you know by the time he uh runs off into what a helicopter a plane a boat something i can't remember a helicopter yeah <laughs> it's like who cares i could care less agreed Agreed. I did not. I did not care about that. And how many times, Mom, have you seen the conversation? You know, he uh, Jack Ryan says they're talking about her her dad. He doesn't realize that yet. And he says, oh, boy, I'm at least not, I'm not an asshole like him. And she's like, oh, he's he's my dad. And he says, oh, I shouldn't have called him that. Says, it's OK. 
And I just think, oh, how many times have I seen this stupid really cute? <laughs> and 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 perhaps worst of all, and I do hate to say this because you know I just loved Jim on The Office, but. He's not quite right in this role, I don't think. No, I don't think so either. And I agree. I really love John Krasinski. I think he's talented, uh, but I don't. So let's talk about the last shot of the of the first episode as we see Jack gaze into the distance at the uh, taillights of these trucks as, oh, that rotten terrorist got away. He escaped from my clutches and, ooh, and he's gazing resolutely into the distance. Uh, we know that Jack Ryan will track him down. And I felt like the show was banking on a couple things there that for me just didn't exist. One was buying John Krasinski as Jack Ryan. And I, I'm yeah. with you. I just wasn't completely sold. And I wish I were because, I, again, I, 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 me too. I really appreciate John Krasinski. But two, you know, I was also thrown by the sequences where we saw the backstory of the terrorist. I assume what we saw depicted because the date was 1983. We I assume we were seeing um, the Israeli bombing of Lebanon and that it's mm-hmm. uh, the story will mm-hmm. come out that he's um, taking revenge against the United States for the sins of Israel. I feel like we're supposed to sympathize a little with his backstory, but still be rooting for Jack. And look, it's not like I want the terrorist to be a terrorist, but I understand his emotional state better than our hero at the end of the first episode. And it doesn't Mm. the show doesn't act like that. It acts like we are with Jack Ryan 100 percent right from the start. Right. Right. Well, then don't then don't manipulate me with the with the family, with the with the that's right family. I, I just don't need to go there. I agree. Right. I don't think it's worth it and in terms of how it seems like they're going to use it. Now, maybe the show becomes much more complex and profound in the middle of the season. I tend to doubt it. It feels, Mom, does it feel to you like Homeland without any of the twists and without any of <laughs> the interesting characters? Right. So not Homeland. <laughs> not much left after that, right? I think John Krasinski has one uh, arrow in his quiver for anguished face, and we see it a lot on this show. (laughs) Yeah, but again, like the mammogram, I want to see somebody smile, for God's sake. (laughs) Why do we have to be in complete misery? I'm sick of it. You know, let's have some clever joke writing, or, you know, not jokes, but, you know, let's have some clever witty repartee or something give me something well i'm not coming back so who cares yeah Do but what i you want you know i think you've hit on something there that that the writing really you know we've critiqued john krasinski's performance I think he could have worked with some better writing because I do think back to yeah. the hunt uh, for red october and alec baldwin young charming twinkle in his eye, little sense of yeah. humor, little puckishness. And I know you haven't seen the movie, but it all was there. And so he was a full-bodied personality because yeah. they did allow those moments of levity in there. And I think with Krasinski's Jack Ryan, they let in the moments where he doesn't entirely know what he's doing. Although even those, he still seems like he's pretty much on top of stuff. Uh, But, you know, that's in there because it's essential to the character. But the levity, I really didn't feel. Yeah. Oh, no, it was just all intensity. It was all it was just like the dentist drill with no relief, Mm. you know? Yeah. All right. Um, So is it an A or A minus for uh, Tom Clancy's Jack (laughs) Ryan for you? Well, after careful consideration, I'm going to have to give this an F. Okay. 
And I'm sorry about that, mm. but I would not waste my time. That's okay. all. How about you? What did you think? I mean, I know you're not going to give a grade, but um, are you going to watch it? No, I'm not. I'm, okay. Let me take two minutes to just share something that's maybe is too sad, but I just... I was listening to the radio a couple months ago, and NPR had on a lawyer who was representing some of the little children, and I mean little children, who were separated from uh, parents mm. who were seeking refuge at the at the border, who were seeking asylum. Right. Um, and these kids had to attend immigration proceedings, and so they had these these lawyers helping them, and the interviewer asked... Your job as an attorney is to represent your client's interests. How do you do that when your client may not be able to express their interests? And the lawyer said, We asked them, do you want to see your mommy and daddy? Do you miss your mommy and daddy? To establish the client's interests. And... God. It was so... It was so twisted and farcical and evil. I just felt like a little pivotal bit of my belief in America was irrevocably lost at that moment. And I don't mean I'm giving up on America. I don't mean that I don't believe in the ideals of this country. But it was such a senseless failure and so reminiscent of the practices we used to decry in Germany, in Soviet right. Russia, um, that exactly. I just felt a little piece of me, piece of me as an American fall away that I wasn't sure I would ever quite get back, even if the country does pull itself out of this fever, which I feel that it will. Yeah. And so this was a... I know that there was nothing directly connected to that story in this show, but it was on my mind because it felt like a very 2002 show. Um, yeah, yeah. And I really had trouble with it in that respect. It just didn't yeah. jibe with how I feel as an American right now. And right. you know me, Mom. I used to have the flag on my dorm room wall. Everybody thought I was this right-wing Republican, would think I had certain political beliefs, but I just don't think patriotism is one or the other. Um, but my patriotism is a little wounded right now, and Jack Ryan's is not. Uh, so I couldn't quite get on the same wavelength with it, and it just kind of made me sad, Mom. Well, I think you always have to have hope. Uh, that's all I can say to you. I, I I still am horrified when I think of what happened in Germany, and I'm tired of seeing so many of the same symptoms crop up here with what's going on politically. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just think there's enough realism. I don't need to watch this pretend <laughs> yeah, That's funny. <laughs> that's right. They can't, and that's the thing, Mom, is like, the chaos of this show can't live up to the surreality uh, of the chaos we're actually living in, right? Exactly. Exactly. I don't need to put more of it into my mind to fall asleep at night. All right. So that's an F then. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> well, um, we've uh, really confronted a lot of uh, heavy stuff uh, on this podcast, Mom. But your recommendation is somewhat lighter fare. Would you uh, oh, my care to tell us what you're recommending this week? 
My recommendation is, and go to your public library and get this book out if you're the least bit interested, is called Convenience Store Woman. And it is the story of a woman that lives in Japan and is sort of considered not normal. She's 36 years old and she works in a convenience store part-time. And it revolves around what she does at the store and the people that she interacts with a little bit. But mostly it's, it's, it talks about the view of what it means to be a worker in Japan even though her job is rather menial, and that she seems to live her whole life around her job, mm-hmm. in that she eats because she needs to be nourished to go to work and do her job properly. She needs to get the proper amount of sleep so that she can go and, and, and do her job at the, at the store. And her friends are all married, and have, some have children, and there's a boy that um, or a young man that comes to work at the store and he uh, ends up getting fired because he's very unrelievable, unrelievable, um, unreliable. Right. And then she sort of forms a, a relationship with him in order to appear normal to other people. Ah, okay. I think I'm right on the precipice of that. This is where I got to okay. the book. You know, I don't, so I don't always, um, sample your recommendations because it's really right. your piece of the show and also i don't feel like watching all those food network shows that you've been right. recommending um but i did this morning i said okay i'm just going to read the apple uh, ibooks sample of this which is usually like mm. the first 10 pages or so so at least i know the premise and i know what's going on uh, well i ended up reading 90 pages of it and only stopped because i had to get on with with work i love this book um, it's it is convenience store woman by Sayaka Murata, uh, translated from the Japanese. I don't think it describes. Yes, it describes what it's like to be a worker in Japan, at least in terms of the environment. Um, and yeah. it really, yeah. you know, the convenience store is such an integral part of day to day Japanese life for the vast majority of the workforce so that it really is more of a public hub than we might think this of like the Seven Eleven would be here. Seven Eleven, in fact, uh-huh. is, a, is right. a big chain in Japan. So I. Th- I just think it's a it's a fast the voice of the book to me is so singular and fascinating because it's this person who at first almost seems to be a, a sociopath but I think that the character resists a sort of pat um pop psychology diagnosis. Yeah. It's a person who doesn't comically fails to understand uh sort of fundamental social clues but expresses them with a weird logic that is um alluring right like it makes sense when she explains her point of view right 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 i i appreciated the simplicity of it and the way um that it that it turns you from all right when is something gonna happen here to looking at life through her eyes because this book is told through her words um and it is a novel it's not a real Mm-hmm. story right, right but it makes you look at things differently it makes you look through her eyes and see what's important to her and it's important for her to be a good worker she lives by herself and she lives for this job okay which you sort of know going in but as she explains goes through the process of explaining each detail of her job and how she lives it all 
makes sense. And then I start to wonder what's wrong with everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just sort of turns you around. And it's very subtle. Um, it's a very quick read uh, and very relaxing. But I think if you just let yourself fall into it, it shows you that no matter what you're thinking, there's there's another side to things that that make just as much sense to someone living a way that you might think is less than. That's right. She, um, because she doesn't instinctively grasp these things, she makes ex- explicit a lot of social phenomena. Like she talks about how she adopts the mannerisms of voice of her coworkers right. as they come through, right. right? And she describes that the word she uses is she's infected. And she talks about how people infect each other with their sense of style, with their, um, with the way they speak. And she is, she's a, a studied mimic right so right. She's she picking and choosing the, right. the parts that will work for her and she describes it as you know this is a method that she has built up and this is an approach for her but the way she describes it i mean it applies to all of us we just wouldn't talk about it in terms of infecting each other right or consciously or, adop- yeah that's right or we we would have picked this up in kindergarten or yeah or sixth grade or whatever along the way naturally. She talks a lot about how the convenience store allows her to be a normal cog in society. In society, which is very important to her. Right. I could talk about this book all day, but this recording is long enough as it is. I highly recommend it, and I can't wait to finish it. And, you know, I had a little different experiences than you, Mom. I wasn't waiting for something to happen. I was spellbound from the beginning, just reading her, describing the convenience store and describing the noises and the customers. But (laughs) I've I've been there, right? Like, that was a... Right, that's right. The picture was very different for for you. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you tried it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm bowing lower than you. <laughs> okay. Very studied of you. Um, all right. That's all for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. What should we talk about, Mom? Mm, something interesting. Oh, that sounds good. Something interesting. Uh, hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever or tweet it out, or write a postcard to your grandma and say, hey, here's a podcast you might enjoy. If you don't enjoy the show, keep it a secret until you die. We love you. <laughs> mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye. Bye.